Hello everyone, welcome to the Youth Voice Pioneers podcast. Today it is lockdown 3.0. That is the topic for our podcast where we are going to talk how this lockdown is going to affect young people even more. My name is Ollie, and today I am joined by my co-host Naki. Hello everybody. And we are obviously also joined by some special guests. Uh, Naki, if you would like to uh, introduce a couple of them. All right, so obviously our first special guest is obviously our wonderful, amazing, talented pioneers. Well, but lovely bunch we all are. Our next special guest speaker is Naomi Clemens, who is a research and evaluation officer. We've got Sarah Rizzo joining us as well, who is a research manager at eCores and the project manager of the Growing Up Under the COVID-19 Research Project. We also have Barry joining us, uh, who is also a senior part of the Growing Up Under COVID-19 Research Project. And last but not least, we've got the Sun Young Champions joining us today. So obviously we're joined by a lot of people today, so bear with us. There'll be a lot more voices than you guys are used to. Um, but I don't think there's any point in us wasting any time. Uh, we might as well get straight into it. Um, and the first thing that I think would be uh, really beneficial for us to talk about is how young people are facing not being able to go out and socialize and meet up with their friends, family, partners, loved ones. I saw a article recently about how young people are getting a bit frustrated about having to give up on their childhood for the sake of everyone to get vaccinated now. Especially when, we, one thing we were talking about a bit earlier was how um, if young people were more likely to be going out or more likely to be going back into school, um, wouldn't it be worthwhile uh, getting them vaccinated or getting them a lot more involved in the actual kind of securing the nation against COVID phase? Uh, does anyone have anything they want to add to that? I think I can start uh, on that because we uh, recently discussed that with the group I'm working with from, from Italy. And I asked the exact same question, if it was actually better to start vaccinating young people since they are actually going out a bit more. And uh, in this way, they, and they are also probably transmitting the virus more maybe because of that. And they were all actually supporting the idea that uh, old people are still the most vulnerable ones and they should be vaccinated first because they are still not totally isolated because they are seeing their caregivers and they are the ones suffering the most from isolation. So they are not able to use online tools as young people are. So actually young people are more flexible and they are getting more used to this situation while older people are not. So this was their, their point of view, which is, uh, yeah, actually surprised me, but like how, how, how much they were agreeing with each other on that. I think when it comes to the vaccines, um, I think what your group, Sarah, said are right in that the way out of this is not vaccinating young people. It's, it's definitely reducing hospitalisation so that even if COVID is still in circulation, we can go out and socialise again. I think even if we did stop vaccinating old people, we started vaccinating young people, then it would still be a slower way out of this for young people. The death rates are pretty minuscule in young people. They do happen but that's not the way out. I was going to ask a question to our Sun Young researchers and pioneers. Um, so the Prime Minister talked today about, um, or was asked the question in Prime Minister's questions about whether it'd be possible to vaccinate teachers and education staff. 
So how would you feel and what do you think in terms of the priority of you getting back to school and college and university and where your teachers and education um, staff are in that priority order of those vaccinations? I think that if students are going back into school, then it is important that the teachers do get the vaccine, especially if there are ones who are more vulnerable ones. And I feel that, like, especially with young pupils, like, if you have, like, primary school pupils and under sevens, then it's very important for them to get back into education so that they can have a bit more normality in their lives. So I think that maybe younger pupils, teachers and younger pupils could get the vaccine so that they could, like, protect their families and still have their like education maintained yeah so I would say definitely give it to teachers above us um, we are less likely to be affected compared to the teachers who are on average pretty old and I think to think that we should get it because of things like going out with others I think if you're going out with others then you you don't you shouldn't be basically I don't know I don't know how best to say this but if you're going against the rules then I think you getting a vaccine is a very big waste compared to those who actually need it uh, and that's for like young people who are still going out um, so I know quite a few people that are still going out to places regardless of the rules um, and I think that people that do that are considerably less intelligent than the one and less deserving of a vaccine than the ones that are vulnerable and are more likely to be hospitalized and i don't think they should be getting a vaccine first at least one thing that i've noticed in particular with being at home a lot more like it used to be that i was out of my house like six days a week i was barely here and um, one thing that i've found is that because i'm interacting with my parents a lot more than i was for like the last year nearly for me it, they were beginning to connect with me a little bit more than when I was in school and I know it's the same for my little sister who's in year 12 at the moment and I think one thing that the lockdown is showing is how important like schooling environment is for people who are going out socializing and how like it is ensuring that the young people who are taking part in education they are more developed socially than people who are now who have been at home for the last year. Yeah, I think socializing has become like more prominent within the media and in terms of like government priorities now, like with them trying to rethink, okay, like we have, we were going to do like the school's evaluation like a day after February and now education secretary, big boss man apparently himself, once two weeks ahead of notice in order to get schools back in so it's just now taking that into account and like how if we how we were socializing before and if we have stuff like this, you know, we're pioneers, we're meeting up, you know, fortnightly with you no know, youth councils or for example, the Sun Champions, you guys are meeting at more still after regularly. So it's like socializing on Zoom compared to in person is very different because there's a lot more people now, you know, feeling like Zoom fatigue and online fatigue and how there's like continuous meetings or webinars or conferences. And it's like, but socializing in person, it's, yeah, it's as you said, Ollie, it's like a lot more energy, it's more active. 
you know, being out of the house. And it's like now trying to find that balance if we can. Um, I think that socialising is definitely really important, whether it's in school or in like another type of social environment, because texting people isn't the same as a face-to-face conversation where you can physically see something see someone and you know see their emotions and express your own emotions and I think in some ways it can be beneficial maybe um to not always have that social interaction I think it can help for some people um help them to understand maybe not understand but um it can help people to maybe become closer with friends who they do really who they might miss a lot more they do decide I do want to talk to this person more and I miss talking to him so it can really help to like establish friendships and with people who you people who you think you are friends with um you can you might realize then during lockdown actually I'm not that interested in talking to this person anymore so maybe I don't feel the need to when we are back to normal be as friendly or not friendly but as close to them as I was beforehand so I think it can really help to establish those close relationships and it helps you to realize who you really trust and whose company you really enjoy yeah and if I could just add on to that from a first year university student such as myself to go from sixth form being shut down because of coronavirus and being cut off from your friends and not being able to say goodbye and have that closure to sixth form to then all of a sudden be thrusted into the world of university and that aspect of socializing isn't really talked about obviously there was the stress back in October and September around like the freshers week and what's going to happen with students you're just not following the rules but I think on the most part, students did pretty well considering what was available to them. But the aspect of socialising for students has been very, very limited because some students have been able to move out into halls and away from their family houses and have been able to get some sort of a university experience despite being in halls. They're still limited to their rooms and being on their laptops doing team or Zoom lectures or however they do it. But then there's also the aspect of me because I do university from home as I wasn't able to move out into halls. So I'm currently doing university surrounded by my family. And as much fun as that is, I feel like in many ways I'm very limited to my university experience because, I mean, we all know the typical experience of a university student doing things that they shouldn't be doing and just exploring who they are as a teenager and getting their first sense of freedom. I'm not really getting that. And I feel like I'm very limited in terms of the friends that I've got because they're specifically my course mates and no don't get me wrong I like them like I love them to bits like they're like really really nice people but if I had moved in to halls I reckon it would have been a lot better to socialize with and get more of a network as it were but I mean it's still great I'm not gonna lie like I like my room it's pretty nice you know it's got like a light in it so it's fine. I found that in the first lockdown me and my friends didn't really call each other or anything we just whatsapp each other on the day however since we've come back to school and gone back into lockdown 3.0 we've been doing like zoom calls with each other we're planning a virtual birthday party for one of my friends so now that i think we've had the taste of being back with people we miss each other like even more but it's really awkward being on a zoom call with your friends because you can't really talk over each other like you normally wouldn't have the proper dynamic of friendship yeah, no, I mean, this is really interesting, isn't it? I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about, you know, the issue about socialising um, 
online and and I'm, I can't help but kind of reflect on this view that society the public adults seem to have that oh young people love being online they love just being on this technology all the time and they don't like um you know so much um uh, meeting face to face and and uh, although actually i found differently with research i've done in manchester where young people said no we actually much just like you said naki and others that you know we like to be together I'm jumping about here but maybe about the implications of that for decisions about going forward after lockdown and on after all the pandemic hopefully disappears soon but also perhaps politicians ideas about well you know behind their decision making that it's okay for young people to stay at home and work online because they like working online um, so I was thinking you know given that we this isn't just something um, that's going to be forever it's going to be it's just temporary it's I suppose something about how do we deal with this in the short term how do you deal with it? How do we all deal with it in the short term and deal with all this technology online? But but that longer term issue, I think, is is really important, too. So I just I'd be interested in your reflections on that. Yes, yeah, so I just wanted to go back to um, Connor's point and then kind of add something on to uh, what Barry was just talking about as well. So in the Southern Universities Network, which is the project that I work within, we work with lots of further education colleges and we have staff within those colleges who their role is to support students in accessing um, additional educational opportunities run by universities, third sector organisations, etc, etc, to get a better idea of what the choices are um, after college. But to reiterate, to kind of say what um, Connor was saying, it's not just about that course, that it's not just about the stuff that you're learning. Um, it's not about the textbooks or the Zoom meetings that you're going to. And I think that was a really important point that Connor put forward is that actually university and learning and education itself is so much more than the knowledge in terms of the subject knowledge. It's about how we socialise with people. It's how we learn to interact with people. It's those networks that we build for our future connections, either for employment or further education. So I think that's really important. And Connie, you raised a re another really good point in terms of working from home for, as a university student, rather than being in halls, you do just get to meet the people on your course if you're working from home online but actually university is so much more than that if you kind of think so Southampton has um, tens of thousands of undergraduate students and all of those students are interacting on campus but off campus as well but you don't get that experience this year as a first year student and that's going to be really important and those connections that you get are really important for the rest of your studies. It's not to say that they can't be built back up when you return to kind of campus and your learning, but I think that idea of education being something more than just the stuff that you're learning is for me um, something that's kind of missing in the politicians and the narratives that are coming out of government about getting students back to university or getting students back to school. And from um, to carry on from Barry's point of view, in terms of that really interesting idea of, um, and question about 
everything's online so sure you know young people have grown up with with the internet and laptops and um, and iPads but not everyone has access to those so there's a huge digital divide which is alienating a, a huge amount of students and we are kind of seeing that there's so much research out there in terms of what that actually means in in terms of people's access to education and then those future choices um, and going back to where I started in terms of our progression mentors that work with students in colleges they are also finding that when they are trying to contact students um, to support them in making those choices and next steps and things, a lot of the students are saying, well, I don't like doing it online. I know I don't want to have a Zoom call with you. I feel a bit awkward. I'd rather meet you in person. Um, yeah, so I think that's a really good and interesting question as well from Barry in terms of that um, again the the narrative and that story of well everyone accesses everything online so what's the problem personally i have been at home because i'm 19 now i have been at home for 18 years i have never learned to go out and i've only went out to go to school and then back home and i'm the type of person who used to think that i'd rather talk to someone online than in person but I have recently started to learn how to go out when I was 18 and that actually felt kind of nice. But then that was when it all happened, like the lockdown happened and then I had to stay at home. But since I got to have the taste of kind of freedom outside the online Internet world, as people may say, and then I got shot back again to going back to that after just having my taste of freedom, I would say it kind of felt a bit suffocating because something that I didn't know I would have liked doing a long time ago because I have been restricted to that online platform. Um, I didn't get to do it and then I got the chance to do it and then lockdown happened and then I was pushed aside again. Yeah, I just wanted to add to what Thea is saying as well. If you look at yourself a year ago from today, we we're in a situation where we had no idea what we could have expected this year to plan out to be. And speaking from a sport perspective, we were getting ready to start the year off and get into our teams and really make the most of the year ahead. And I think in terms of sports and commitments, it has a lot of influence in terms of your studies because it's also extracurricular and making sure that you're able to commit to other things other than college life itself. I feel like that's a lot of um, opportunity in terms of we have missed that opportunity to try out new things where a year ago we were able to look forward to doing that. I definitely agree with what Barry said, and I think young people as a whole agree in that home learning and doing everything online is not is not brilliant for most people. Being in a classroom, especially for me, who's a bit more of an extrovert, but I think everyone being in a classroom, being able to talk to a teacher, have other people there to compare to and kind of corroborate your, your work with is very different sitting in front of a screen, having teachers lecture at icons with initials in them. And that lack of social interaction and the ability to teach and learn from other students, as well as just break times and studying with other people, that that's completely gone. And my fear is that even if I do get examined, I'm in a I'm in GCSE year and I'm doing all of the content that we're being set. 
but if we get examined on it I don't know how much of this I can retain simply because I don't learn online and I don't think many people do it ties in quite well to uh, one of the points that we've kind of glossed over but not massively uh, which is obviously home learning in the sense of I, I know particularly for my sister who was normally quite social in class and in all, all honesty so was I if I was sat in English and I wasn't able to chat to my friend to the right of me I wouldn't have survived and I think that's one of the problems with homeschooling there isn't that social feature for it. you you're waking up at eight o'clock getting on zoom at half eight i know connor mentioned earlier that his he's basically this year he's paid for a nine grand zoom subscription like it's it's not it's not easy to be a student during covid i'm quite lucky and i'm sure most people here will agree with me in the sense that i finished school last year and i'm now free as a bird and i know that a lot of people are going through that process of well hang on a second i'm having to do all my work from home i've had to pay for i've had to use zoom or use teams for god knows how long so in year eight we took our options for the future and we were told that you can take an a level a b-tech a military course or an apprenticeship but we weren't even told that a t-level was a possibility however t-levels are actually great options for lots of people because they allow them to be really focused on their one like goal and aspiration that they that they have it's an interesting point as i as i literally just mentioned in the chat i didn't know a t-level was a thing i would have been great at one of them um and i think that though though that sort of qualification would would be extremely difficult to actually undertake during covid lockdowns if you like you said it's mainly a practical subject how on earth are you ever going to do that it's like actually uh something that i know one of the pioneers wanted to talk about was practical learning in particular practical exams for music i know that obviously music is going to be a practical subject how much can you read in textbook uh for music and that sort of thing so laren did you want to talk about um what you wanted to say about your music exams yeah mainly the issue with music exams was not necessarily just music within school it's grades outside of school so for example if you want i've considered briefly and potentially would still want to go to university to study music and for that you don't need A-levels it doesn't matter what you get in your A-levels what matters is you getting a grade 8 in your music you can't do a music exam during lockdown because they can't hear you and across Zoom the delay would be appalling so basically I would have to delay my uni by a year in order to get that qualification but the government haven't focused on that it's all been focused specifically on education within schools Whereas that would not matter to me whatsoever in terms of the grades. Well, firstly, I just wanted to say, Lerin, I didn't even know that. That's really interesting. And you know what? I hadn't even thought about that. So I'm going to take that back to my team um, and I will make sure that we have a chat with local authorities and the connections that we have and see what we can find out about that. So that's a direct response to, to Lerin and a bit of an action point on me um, after after I go back to work. Um, but I want to go back to the T-levels and actually they're a completely new level three qualification. So they've only just started um, this academic year, so in September 2020, and there's only a very, very small amount of courses that are on offer. So not all further education colleges and sixth forms are offering them. 
which is possibly why, depending on where you are geographically, you haven't heard about them, or if it was a year or two ago that you were in that kind of subject choice for post-16, um, they may not have actually told you about them because literally no one knew. I think the thing that um, to be aware of for those T-levels is for part of your study, you have um, a certain amount of time that you spend with an employer. But those days can be split across uh, the academic year or even two years. So from a college point of view, some colleges are finding that difficult in terms of timetabling. But as a technical qualification, they sound amazing. And I agree with you all that that's, that's an excellent way of getting those industry contacts if you know the area of work that you want to go into but also that uh, that knowledge base as well to take you further and any other choices that come up further on in your life. It's quite interesting actually to hear about because someone mentioned that was like it was like a 2020 thing which would be why I didn't know about it um, and I think nowadays if that's something that young people are made more aware of that's something that will actually be a lot better at helping them like further their careers further what they want to do it does actually kind of tie in relatively well actually to lack of information that young people are actually getting at the moment particularly with covid lockdowns like one thing that in particular is awful is the government like briefing surrounding uh, what is happening with young people and their exams like I know for a fact that um, some people from the pioneers wanted to talk about the Ofqual consultation and kind of the impact that that had and how difficult or awkward it actually was to pay attention to. Yeah, no, as you said, we were literally just having the discussion like half an hour ago about, you know, when Ofqual announced that they'll be doing a like, government consultation around trying to get some clarification towards the government on like, how A-levels and GCCs and BTECs and other exams are going to go. Like a sliver like ray of hope was given to us because we were like, okay, cool. The government is actually trying to take on board our views. They actually want to make an effort in order to gather some opinions and see like what would be the best thing generally for young people across the country. But as soon as we saw the documents that Ofqual had res- had put out for young people that they had apparently consulted, I can't I can't even begin to describe how long it was. Like literally, I'm sure if any of the other young people in this uh, in this podcast can agree with me, that getting barely past the first page, I had to put it to the side, and I literally had to discuss with like my parents about how, you know, there's still confusion, and this adds even more to like the lack of confidence, and you know, what exactly are we going to be doing about exams? Are we going to be doing like the mini external exams? Are we going to be having teacher assessed grades? Are we going to be having a bit more assessments? So it's just, it just still adds to the confusion. I think the government has failed to realise. I think, Barry, you pointed this out earlier in the chat about how the government needs to take on board more strongly and more effectively like actual young people's opinions and what it is like being a student, whether that be GCSE, A-level, uni, or just in lower school, how it is studying in COVID with online learning and how it's affected basically all of us in lockdown. Yeah, with the off-call consultation, I did it and it took me a while and it felt throughout it that number one, it was not written with or for young people. It was very much targeted at 
it felt people who worked for exam boards and teachers and it started off with the question of should we set exam board papers mini exams they've been called uh, and then it felt felt like that was the assumption all the way through and I won't be at all surprised if that's the conclusion they come up with out of it because it feels predetermined and for the few young people that they're actually going to reach with this consultation yeah it's it's not inspiring any sort of trust in the department for education and off-call even in the context of last year with the mess up around exams it's, it's clear that they need to do more to reach out to young people and come to young people. Uh, yeah, because this resonates quite well with our uh, research as well, with uh, findings and recommendations from young people, because they say that one of the most important things is not just to consult young people, but to uh, make them then understand, like realize how their feedback was actually incorporated, because otherwise it, this seems just like, you know, empty discussions. So, okay, what came out of that? And especially like doing that in an accessible way. So how could this information be presented not in a really long and inaccessible uh, report, but actually through different media? So like through social media, through commentary in the news, like led by young people. So how this, uh, this information could be then presented in a more effective way. So that then young people who were consulted could feedback to other young people as well about what happened. So I think that this is this is really important. So they should not only listen, but then also like to say like what happened next and say that in a clear way. Uh, so one thing we were talking about prior to the podcast was uh, the government briefings and how they are definitely not tailored towards young people. They're very morbid they're very kind of actually horrible to watch i remember when they first started doing them last year a lot of people just didn't want to watch them because it was just so depressing to see what was going on which is why when young people's information that they needed was being put into government briefings alongside other information that wasn't relevant or they wouldn't understand it would be worthwhile maybe considering having a briefing like an individual briefing for young people to see if they for stuff that they'd actually understand or would be a little bit more relevant to them um because like everyone's saying about everything's going on with off qual everything with exams uh when they go back to school that sort of thing it's not really something that couldn't be done in a separate briefing yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was actually just thinking about, you know, this whole thing about, um, you know, you're a youth voice body of people, you've got a lot of creativity, a lot of ideas, a lot of issues you want to communicate. And what you're communicating is actually a frustration about, about the government system that we've got. Um, but in turn, if we look at research, research is often very limited in the impact it has which is why universities are increasingly talking about how can we have more impact and i think often traditional for a traditional research that simply reports young people's voices to politicians it's i think it's really important for you guys to think about not just having a voice but actually following that voice through so communicating that it's back to you know laura lundy's model it's back to what she and others have been talking about for ages it's not just about voice it's about following it through it's about that dialogue it's about you know getting in the face of politicians and influential people and and you know definitely putting yourself out there naki you said about you know i don't know there was a need for a revolution well actually there is you know 
there's a lot of need for people to get out there and and say look this isn't acceptable sorry i'm i'm ranting a bit here you know but for all of us including us adults us humble adults who are not politicians it's really important to hold these people to account these are these are privileged eaten people who live in a bubble you know it's really important to puncture that bubble and say look here is the real world look look and listen and follow that through in conversation there's a lot of scope for you guys to do that. It's really important. It's really important. Sorry. Yeah, Barry, I'm just going to quickly say that rant is completely warranted. I, I'm sure all of us 100% agree. And the fact that, you know, the governments just keep adding more PowerPoints and more, you know, bar charts and more graphs that is completely indecipherable and we have no idea what it means. No one knows what it means. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one has a clue what it's they mean. But it's like, it's trying to discourage us from like, okay, cool. We have no idea what, like, this is completely out of our depth. We might as well just sit back and let this all happen. But in fact, a, you know, a revolution does need to happen. You know, more young people need to be like, actively engaged. And cheeky plug for PP, you know, out now. Check our, our website if you want to join. To add on to the point about like the news briefings and press conferences, I think a good way to make them more approachable for young people is to have like a news program, maybe slightly after or just slightly like slightly after Boris had done his briefing, but was designed and hosted by more young people for young people, so that it could still have the information, but put into a way that a young person would understand it and feel that they had the same sort of like everyone who was talking about this was the same age as them so they could understand it as well and it would help explain the facts much more clearly um to them if we had and then it could have um, maybe young people could even have their questions about things related to what how it'll affect them rather than knowledge that won't probably affect them and is said in confusing ways that could confuse and cause maybe unnecessary stress on them as well like we've had I mean, a lot of ideas in the chat about like youth-led government briefings. I think that'd just be so cool because not only it give young people the chance to actually do those kind of briefings and get a sense of what it's like, but it actually help more young people to actually listen to the news and be more aware and actually engage with it in a bit more like positive light to understand what is actually going on and what is being done to help out young people. Like has been being said, uh, imagine a youth-led briefing, how kind of empowering that would actually be like i know they've been bringing on some young people uh to discuss things at points but imagine like a, a youth representative actually in the meeting uh, maybe not alongside boris johnson but i think that if we had young people leading the briefings or at least being a part of the briefings that matter that make decisions that matter to young people it'd be a lot more worthwhile like a, a while ago actually a young person said to me it feels like it's the pensioners deciding our future. And I think it's a very strong point of why are young people not included on things like off-call consultations or things like the government briefings? Like that's something that kind of needs to be done. We finally have the takeaways ready and not the type of takeaway you're all hoping for. Oh, cheeky Nando's. Oh. I'm sorry to let you all down. Um, so yeah, I think we just kind of get straight on straight on into them then. So young people are sort of missing the energy of interacting with others. So what we're really asking decision makers to bear in mind is that 
we don't love working online it we sort of we miss that key social interaction that is so important for our development going into adulthood so our sort of request for you is to just bear that in mind when you make decisions and when you make assumptions about how we are our next takeaway is that uni students studying from home are missing out with interaction which comes with being on campus and off campus and all of this is important and contributes to their studies and the overall uni experience as we previously mentioned a lot of uni students feel they've paid a nine grand zoom subscription this year that's not how it should be I think it's also important to note when it comes to grading especially and when it comes to sort of expecting a lot from young people when working online is that not all students have access to technologies in the same way that everyone else does. There are some people who don't have access to the internet and I think sort of there is funding out there but it's just not getting to enough students and so I think lecturers, teachers and the government themselves need to sort of understand that when they set out their expectations for young people. Uh, a fifth takeaway is that young people don't want to live their lives online as much as we do like to spend our time on social media and gaming platforms. This isn't all that we do and making sure that when we come out of lockdown, making sure that there are provisions where young people can socially interact in safe spaces. Number six is even throughout lockdown, make sure we're informed of all the qualifications available to us and make sure that all qualifications are accounted for when deciding exams, etc. this year. Um, number seven is that qualification is gained outside of school, like music and sports, are not being considered in terms of the impact of COVID-19. Number eight is make sure, if possible, that all information sent to young people by government or any other organisation is at least proofread by young people or even better, designed with young people. And our last takeaway for the adults and decision makers is when involving young people in consultations, make sure that you feedback in a constructive and relevant way. There's no point of young people turning up to a meeting if you don't let them know what's come from them being there. Our first takeaway for young people now is that friendships are changing and being in lockdown and connecting with friends virtually is helping us to realise who we can trust and whose company we really enjoy. The next takeaway for young people is that we encourage you to take the opportunity to connect better with your family and the people you live with. Our third takeaway for young people is to ask your teachers and or carer advisors about T-levels. And our fourth and final takeaway for young people is raise any concerns you have about your studies with your teacher or a member of teaching staff that you feel comfortable sharing this information with. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we have rounded off the podcast oh yes i am going to be the master of plugging right about now so please check it out on apple spotify soundcloud uh your neighbor's cat's dog uh anywhere you can just type it up online check us out the participation people socials facebook twitter instagram do all of that and yeah I went to KFC yesterday. Well, sorry, delivery of KFC yesterday. I was so I was so happy. I was literally I was on the verge of crying. I was just there like finally I've got I've got food that isn't toast. Yeah, we get delivery endorse it now. It's insane. It, it happened recently, and I was I was I've been waiting for it for about a year. Like I was I was so happy. <laughs> you guys didn't have delivery. 
That's a crime. We can't all I'm live sorry. in London. <laughs> That's a crime. I'm sorry. You don't have the beach. What's your point? <laughs>